Hello and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of Spiderworks. With me today is Ali Tayyib, Director, Industry Innovation at Vector Institute, a not-for-profit corporation dedicated to research in the field of artificial intelligence, excelling in machine and deep learning. Like this video if you enjoy our show and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Ali Taib, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Thanks very much, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here today. So Ali, we met a, a number of years ago now through uh, DMZ and Incubator at Ryerson or Ryerson at the time, but I want to go back even further. Um, doing a little research on you, you were recognized as a top 25 emerging leader in the greater Toronto Hamilton area in 2014. So you are, <laughs> you are not that far into your career, but you've already accomplished a great amount. So take us back to 2014 and, and that award and how you got there. Thanks so much, Ken. Um, it was a really interesting journey, and the recognition is part of a program that I was a part of uh, through Civic Action, the Civic Action Diversity Fellow Program. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, I definitely encourage the participants who are hearing this podcast to check out Civic Action, one of the most life-changing programs uh, that I've been a part of. Um, and that uh, program essentially brings together diverse uh, leaders who are in, interested in civic building. Um, and the idea behind that is that at some point in your leadership journey, as you're progressing further, irrespective if you could be part of a corporate organization, not-for-profit, social enterprise, you're converging together from a leadership position. And how do you accelerate that learning um, at an earlier stage? And, uh, you know, I, th through my work in the community, someone recommended me the program um, and I got uh, involved with it. And I was luckily accepted. And the cohort and the leaders that were participating in this, uh, you know, in the 2014-2015 cohort, uh, we're still in touch. An amazing life-changing experience. And getting to meet individuals, being in rooms that you would have never gotten an opportunity to be in. Um, and really changed my trajectory uh, from a leadership perspective, thinking about civic issues, thinking about ways that I need to contribute back to society. And uh, the networking component is really, really important. So it's very fortunate to be part of that program and being recognized uh, as part of the 2014-2015 cohort with Civic Action. Well, that's amazing to hear, um, Ali. I mean, it, you know, Civic Action is something I have, I have uh, <laughs> three next-gen kids and three next-gen stepkids, and I've always encouraged them to do that. And I really see the, the the newer generation or the up and coming generation and I and, and I'm I'm saying that because I'm a touch older than you, um, so much more involved than I think frankly I was, you know where where you are in in, in your career today and so kudos uh, to you and frankly to the generation for for recognizing the the incredible impact that you can make as individuals um, on on all parts of society. Thanks very much, Ken. We met at a different type of action. That was a building company action. It was DMZ, it was an incubator. It was again, um, part of Ryerson as it was named uh, at the time. Super high energy place for companies um, uh, that, that were looking to, you know, to move through startup into scale up. 
Tell me a little bit about DMZ and some of the companies that, you know, what was your role in some of the, helping some of the companies that were there? So I've had a interesting career path, which has not been linear. I've tried a lot of different things from working in international development, social entrepreneurship, startup companies that have gone on to be acquired, IPO, and being really at different stages and, you know, early stage uh, stages of uh, maturity from a company perspective was doing a few things when it came to consulting and then realized that I really wanted to be with an organization that's an ecosystem builder behind the scenes, supporting not just one organization, but what would it look like to support hundreds of organizations, hundreds of entrepreneurs, and hundreds of amazing, ambitious, curious, passionate, and diverse individuals um, who want to take their ideas and take their uh, dreams uh, forward. What would be an organization that I can align with? And I really went on a journey and talked to a lot of individual, a lot of mentors uh, that I looked up to, you know, at that stage, a lot of uh, signals were pointing me towards uh, incubators and accelerators at that point. And I started having conversations with individuals at the DMZ, and it really looked uh, like the right fit for me uh, from a perspective of building, uh, bringing in my experience in business development, corporate partnerships, and open innovation to an organization that's really founder-driven and founder-first. And uh, DMZ is an you know incredible organization that's I believe just crossed uh, eleven years plus. It supported hundreds and hundreds of startups at very various different stages, and have, has had a you know interesting journey through its path, uh, being uh, you know uh, home to a few founders uh, now taking close to six floors at Young and Dundas uh, globally. Uh, you know they have offices now. I just was looking at uh, looking at their page. They have offices in Cairo to New York. They've done some really amazing things. And my role at the DMZ was really spearheading. Um, you know, I had various roles uh, when I started, I spent about four years there, but was driving the work when it came to corporate partnerships and really creating environments where large organizations are supporting smaller startups and scale-ups on their journeys in a meaningful, impactful manner. And a lot of the work is uh, sometimes done is not uh, usually a net positive for a startup. They get acquired, the IP gets uh, taken, a lot of the staff is being coached. But how do you create uh, DMZ being a not-for-profit, being associated with the university? How do you create real meaningful partnerships and thinking first and foremost, founder first, right? If the founders are not uh, getting a net positive out of that, uh, it's uh, easier said than done. And leading those corporate partnerships uh, from that perspective with large entities from banks to insurance, to large tech, um, and then having this portfolio that was also very meaningful, over 100 plus partnerships will be called membership benefits. And working with partners such as um, the sales forces, the stripes, the squares of the world, who are really eager to put their products uh, and product stack in front of these startups as they know that, you know, uh, perhaps they might not be um, utilizing their products uh, to the maximum capacity, but as they're growing really fast, how can they get involved at an earlier stage um, and uh, manage a portfolio over 100 plus membership benefits that realize a million dollars plus in benefits for these startups? I hope I answered your question. You absolutely did. And, and I, and I got to say, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur. I've founded a number of companies along the way. I never had the benefit of, of working within an incubator. So I really appreciate you're talking about the corporate support. You're talking about it's it's housed within, 
met, you know, this one in, in a university, many in colleges and supported by networks. I, I have to imagine that just being around other founders is has got to be an amazing experience because there's just so many days you look at yourself in the mirror and go, hey, it's only me staring back at me. Um, and having some people in the background must be a wonderful benefit to build community with. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of founders have gone through some really, really amazing journeys. And it's not uh, always that they've come to an incubator and have succeeded. Maybe it's their third or fourth shot at it at different incubators, accelerators. Perhaps they were doing it on their own before and they realized it takes a village to build a great company. And you need to have various people that are backing you, various people that are supporting you. When the times are, are are not on your side, right? You need people to back you up and make sure that, you know, you take that next step when you don't feel like taking it. And then there's times when you want to make sure that others are around you to celebrate your wins, which is also really important, that lonely entrepreneurship journey. As you mentioned, you've done this a couple of times. Um, having that tribe, having that community is really amazing. If I had to do it my myself again, I definitely would encourage uh an entrepreneur, uh, founder, you know, whatever nomenclature you want to put on yourself. If you're starting a business, uh, not for profit, whatever it looks like, but if you're looking to scale, reach out to the various incubators and accelerators that are out there. The Canadian uh, incubator accelerator startup ecosystem is thriving. It is rich. There's an amazing plethora and wealth of information and great organizations that are out there with various benefits. Um, so some are for equity, some are not for equity, some provide funding, some don't. They're different horizontal and vertical interests. So if you could, you're building a health AI company, there's an incubator for that. You know, there's tons of tons of resources out there. There's various government incentives. And as a founder, when you're doing, you know, when you're wearing a hundred different hats, you need someone to help you along your journey and guide you that, you know, this is out there. This you might want, might consider being at this table this is a great opportunity for you, or this is a great introduction for you. And when, when there's a whole community working towards, uh, to, you know, on the same team as you and in your favorite with your, um, you know, best interest in mind, uh, there's no better feeling like that. And um, I highly encourage individuals and entrepreneurs to consider being a part of an incubator, being a part of multiple incubators and accelerators to maximize those benefits. You know, Ali, as you're saying that, you know, one thing struck me, which I hadn't really thought about before, it's 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 also, I, I guess, about finding the right fit in terms of, you know, doing some legwork, doing some interviewing and understanding from the people directing the incubators from the other companies incubated there, which ones will be the best fit for you and your organization for your values, your goals, um, your needs, and and the type of community or, or or industry that you're in absolutely there's lots of various uh you know let's say university-based incubators and accelerators there's a lot of for-profit uh, equity-driven uh accelerators and incubators that are out there that are local as well as international and you have to consider what's best for you at this particular junction in your journey and you have to consider the fact that you have to evaluate all the different options because timing, as you know, in entrepreneurship is really important. Timing to launch your product, timing to build, and you want to write on those comments that are live, uh, you know, and figure out who's going to be able to help you the best 
to achieve your goals. If it's uh, efficiency, if it's speed, if it's uh, you know vertical integration, there's so much that's out there. You have to evaluate uh, and understand what's best for you and what's best for your company at this given particular time, and it, it can really change. Well, speaking of change, you've you've changed your your career a little bit. Um, seems like a, a great next step. You're now at the Vector Institute and and working with AI and 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 trustworthy AI. Tell us a little bit about it. But for the listeners' sake, what is AI before we even get into Vector and its role and your role within it? Well, thanks very much for the question, Ken. AI is a broad concept, which is very much often misrepresented. So generally speaking, uh, when you're thinking about AI, AI is referring to computers that can learn about the world flexibly, make inference about what they see and hear, and achieve human-like understanding of information. Um, some of the examples of AI in our everyday lives are the recommendations that we get from Netflix when we're watching movies, uh, the voice recognition from Apple, Siri, and Amazon, and the self-driving capabilities of Tesla. When you're thinking about trustworthy AI, uh, trust is at the core of the challenges for AI adoption. And before we feel comfortable at adopting a new technology, we need to feel in control over it. And AI can definitely introduce new opportunities and challenges if not addressed carefully. And they are related to bias, privacy, safety, explainability, and model robustness. A little bit about Vector and my role here. So Vector uh, started in 2017 as part of the Pan-Canadian AI strategy. And the vision was to drive excellence and leadership in Canada's knowledge creation and use of AI and to foster economic growth and improve the lives of Canadians. Vector is supported by the federal, provincial government and our industry sponsors. And we have a number of stakeholders that we work with from industry, health, startups and scale-ups and academic partners. Within our stakeholder groups, we have a robust industry innovation program consisting of enterprise partners from leading tech companies, industrials, pharma, insurance, and financial institutions. And my role at Vector is leading the portfolio of financial institution partners from banks, insurance, pension, and VC partners. So for our partners, uh, Vector, we're an independent, neutral third party. We're a not-for-profit. And we provide a platform for our partners to safely and uh, effectively uh, explore and scale the latest developments when it comes to artificial intelligence, connect and retain um, and attract the right AI talent, and stay at the leading edge of AI by providing continuous upskilling opportunities for the teams. Uh, collaboration um, within Vector across our stakeholders is extremely, extremely important. And what we like to say at Vector is that AI is a team sport, and uh, we truly believe that. What I hear a lot from you is collaboration. Um, you talked about it with DMZ. It, it takes a village uh, to raise a business with a Vector Institute. You're talking about all the different partners that you're collaborating with to make AI come to life, to, to, to open up the power of it. What do we need to do in Canada to optimize or to improve the, the collaboration within our innovation ecosystem? I would say collaboration, and that's been a theme for me in the organizations that I pick uh, to to support and to work with, is do they have a collaborative nature and do do they work towards, uh, you know, helping an ecosystem win? And this might sound very, uh, very simple, but for collaboration to exist, 
it really depends on breaking down silos and making sure that there's open communication happening between uh, between organizations and it's easier said than done. There has to be an aspect of healthy competition with collaboration and essentially what is the end goal? Is the end goal that the Canadian ecosystem is winning? Is the end goal from a startup and um, scale-up perspective, are we helping these rising entrepreneurs and brilliant founders scale their businesses? Is that the end goal? And if we work towards those end goals, uh, collaboration becomes very, very easy. And it base is basically uh, based on you know values and making sure that communication happens uh, and you're you're taking these organizations and the ecosystem forward. Well, and I think that's an important message too. I mean, you talk again about collaboration. I talk to co-opetition, which is working more closely with your competitors, cooperating with your competitors, possibly just another word for collaboration. My, my point being is we can't do it alone anymore. Um, whether we're individuals, individual leaders or organizations, the, the challenges that I see as facing as, as organizations or as a society are so mammoth that we really have to break down. And yes, we can compete, but there also has to be that collaborative, trustworthy approach so that we can bring things to market, whether it's for our climate, for social impact, for economic benefit. I, th I just think we have to come together um, more tightly than we did maybe 20, 30 years ago. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Ken. It's, uh, and technology is a great enabler from a communication perspective and collaboration perspective, easily sharing resources, and this, this concept of open source. So if you're not coming together, uh, it's really hard for the ecosystem to win. And that's something that I drive a lot when it comes to our types of partnerships, our, how we evaluate, uh, you know, the type of work that we're doing is the ecosystem winning is this good for Canada and if that's if that's not answered then it's hard for us to engage I love that is the ecosystem winning so that's a, yeah. that's a takeaway that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with me for a while thank you for that one you are going to be part of an event or an activation um, it's part of the say hi to the future community it's coming up in Mississauga it's say hi to the future a path to resilience um, and it's coming up in Mississauga, you will be the moderator for the next gen panel, which I think by now the listeners know that you are infinitely qualified to lead. Okay. Um, you brought some wonderful people to the table there. And I, I guess let's switch to values a little bit. I mean, one, do you see resilience as a core value for entrepreneurs? So first we can uh, extremely excited to be participating with you for the Say Hi to the Future conference and leading the panel uh, with next-gen leaders focused on resiliency from a startup and scale-up perspective. We have a fascinating panel uh, of entrepreneurs and founders who are working in various industries from artificial intelligence to mobility to advertising. Uh, it's really remarkable uh, to have uh, this panel come together and be in Mississauga, where I've uh, grown up and currently reside as well. Great to, great to be home uh, for this one. And uh, to answer your question, resiliency is, uh, I would say, you know, when you're looking at values uh, from an entrepreneurship perspective, and for me, something that I believe in personally, resiliency would be probably a top three, top five 
value that you need to have as an entrepreneur. And without resiliency, it is uh, it is impossible to take your idea and scale it. And resiliency comes in many different ways because in life um, and in entrepreneurship, it is a very lonely path and you're going to be hit by many different things along the way. And resiliency is what gets you through those dark days. It's making sure that you understand that, you know, tomorrow is another day and you need to just continue to move forward, figure out what are other alternatives, what are other methods that potentially you're not seeing at this point from a resiliency perspective, from an innovation perspective, from a curiosity perspective. But that resiliency is for first and foremost, if you're not resilient, you're not going to be looking at the other core competencies, as I mentioned, from an innovation, curiosity, empathy perspective that's out there. So resiliency is extremely important. And if you look at um, great founders that are out there and if you read their stories, um, from the Phil Knights of the world, uh, you'll see resiliency, uh, you know, as a core, core theme. I just finished uh, Shoe Dog, a great book, great recommendation. And, you know, resiliency being front and center of the, their journeys, uh, it's not always rosy. You know, what's got them to where where they are with these large empires that we emulate and, you know, we we glorify where where they're where they currently are, but that journey is what we should be uh, really commending them on. And from a resiliency perspective, that's remarkable of what they've been able to accomplish. So, so what I'm hearing, Ali, is um, not every day is fun as an entrepreneur. Is, is that it? That all those all those articles about yeah. your own boss and everything. Um, <laughs> some days are more challenging than others. Oh, it is. Uh, it is incredibly hard being being at it from both sides, having had tried a number of failed uh, ventures myself, and then also seeing the other side with a lot of different entrepreneurs uh, failing, shutting down their businesses, you know, putting their hat up. It's uh, it's a tough space out there, right? And without resiliency and without that courage uh, that one entrepreneur needs to have, irrespective, you could be starting. A, a bakery down the street or starting a high profile clean tech business it the if you if you're not resilient you know things can change at any point as we're seeing you know we've just gone through a pandemic there's uh, all sorts of global crises that are happening right now and how do you react and how how you uh, you know how do you pivot and how are you resilient towards those aspects is is crucial so it's uh, it's not rosy every day, Ken, as you said, but it the, you know when when the good days come, they're extremely extremely rewarding and exciting. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned that earlier on, and it's important to point out. It, it took me it took me a lot of years to realize that when what some of those breakthrough moments are, and to take a deep breath and to celebrate them. I used to just run from point to point and just say, okay great, let's just keep going. But I, I, I think it's so critical now to take a pause, to look at your team and go, yeah, that was pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's celebrating those small wins and really thinking of the end goal at the end, right? goes back to the point that you, you it takes a village and you want to have that tribe. You want to have that uh, community behind you that's going to be there in the tough times and it's going to be there for you, uh, you know, to celebrate those wins, irrespective of the scale. So, uh, Ali, as our as our time comes to a close, on say hi to the future. One one last question: We talked about resilience. We talked about the village. 
What are some of the other values um, that you've seen in common with with entrepreneurs who've broken through and, and not necessarily on their first attempt, as you say, but who have ultimately broken through? I love this question um, as you know, entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes. And that's something that I learned at the DMZ and what are some qualities and what, you know, there's no right background or track record that one can have to build a, you know, build a successful company. I've seen professors, uh, you know, psychology majors to artists that have gone and built uh, really awesome companies. But when it comes to the values, you know, it, you know, core values that I think that are extremely important and in, in no particular ranking. It's this aspect of empathy. If you're not able to empathize with your customer, with your market, with your team, um, it's really hard to take your idea forward because you're, you're doing it blindly. And uh, that is a scary thing when you're an entrepreneur, when you have such a firm belief uh, without empathy and without, if you're not empathizing, then you're not able to change the direction and course and you know ken you can probably agree to this that you really need to uh, really need to do that um, quite often probably on a regular basis uh, when you're building something and especially in, in that scaling mode so empathizing and empathy is a really really important piece um, humility um, and humility comes back to the aspect of knowing that you know you might not have all the answers and that's okay that is okay being a founder. Um, humility is really important. And then also recognizing that, you know, you're not always right. That is a scary space to be in when you're a founder, when you have a lot of confidence in your idea and you've gotten those early breakthroughs. But if you're not able to empathize, if you're not, if you don't have the humility to know that, you know, there's a different path, there, there's a different way of thinking about this, or you might have gotten it wrong is, is really, really important. I would say it's it's hard to categorize this one, but it's a really important one. Um, and, you know, we talked about resiliency and say resiliency and courage go side by side. This aspect as a founder, and if you want to do it right, and if you want to do it for the long term, if equality is not something that you're thinking about, and it, it goes back to how you're generating revenue, it's how you're hiring, it's how you're looking to partner with other organizations. It's such a critical aspect, and especially um, from a longevity pers perspective of a business, we've seen not to go into uh, you know any organizations uh, dirty laundry at this point, but we've seen a lot of organizations who've scaled very fast, but they have not you know they've not answered the hard questions, and they're not taking the right path at the start, which is harder to do because they were not thinking about equality uh, first and foremost from a values perspective, from an organization. So if you, if you look at DMZ's values, it's uh, I, if I, if my memory serves me right, it's founders first and uh, equity over everything. So it's that concept of equality, um, you know, and building that front and foremost as, as a founder, I would say is very, very important. So humility, you know, empathy and equality, are, are three aspects that are extremely important from a values perspective for founders. And if you, you know, if you lack in some of those areas, find the people that are, that are, will be building that idea forward with you to help you and be that North star, be that compass for you in those directions. Well, Ali Taib, director, industry innovation at the Vector Institute, moderator for say hi to the future next gen panel. Thank you so much for joining us today on Say Hi to the Future and sharing those, those stories with us.
Thank you so much, Ken, for having me. And I'm very excited about the panel for Say Hi to the Future on the 22nd. Look forward to it. Take care.